0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Thank you to Creations Podcast. I'm your host, L, and I have my co-host today, Mr. Colors. How are you?
1: I am doing good. How are you doing, baby?
0: I'm doing good. We definitely <laughs> are filming an episode later than usual today, but you know, we both have busy schedules, so we're just trying to fit in what we can when we
1: when we can, yes, that's the that's the word, the keyword
0: exactly. I know last week it was kind of hard for us, so I had to do an episode on my own. And honestly, they're just not as fun, just so you know, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it was a hectic week. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of traveling, a lot of changes in this uh, in my life right now. So, yeah, it's been a week huh since we've done this? It's been yeah, a whole week. It's been-
0: Exactly. I know my last episode was a little bit shorter and it was a little bit weird just because I didn't have someone else to relate my conversation with. So it was Mm -hmm. unusual. I think I got used to just having you or a special guest, which all of our listeners, if you have a small business, if you're an artist of any kind, we are always open to having you featured in our podcast. So make sure that you as well as comments let us know if you're interested we'll be happy to have you as a guest
1: yes we are looking for uh potential for anything really honestly we we're looking for i don't know if you're a dancer uh, a graffiti artist whatever you do uh we also like to throw in a little bit of spookiness inside of it while we ask you a couple questions and yeah we have fun that's the best thing about it we have fun We usually used to do this when we were drinking, but because we're so far apart, (laughs) we can still do it, but you'll have to bring your own wine. (laughs) BYOB. BYOB, yes. yes, yes.
0: Well, today we're going to bring a pretty interesting topic. So I actually heard about this Doctor, let's say a few months ago, maybe a little over a year ago, and it was through a mini series or a documentary, if you will, I guess, about a doctor which they named Dr. Death. So, before I get into exactly who Dr. Death is, let's talk about have you had any major surgeries? No, I've never. I I
1: don't think, oh no, I've never actually had surgery. I had a surgery in my finger, like this one, but it was small. And that's the biggest surgery I've ever had. I know you've had surgery.
0: Right. Um, I, I had my gallbladder removed a few years ago. And one of the biggest maybe phobias I've ever had is waking up during anesthesia procedure because I've seen it happen to a lot of people. But also one of my other concerns was that Maybe my doctor wasn't qualified to do my surgery. I don't know why. It was just something that came to my brain at the time. And it really worried me. Either I'm gonna wake up in the middle of surgery or this doctor doesn't know what they're doing. I'm gonna have like gauze or like an instrument in my in my, you know, body after the yeah. surgery. So yeah. it was something that for some reason, you know, I always kind of had in mind, like, who's to say? And it took me a long time and maybe even more now that I worked with some companies that do well into medical procedures and I, to doctors and nurses. And I hate to break it down to our audience, but a lot of them, it's a guessing game. They're not even sure what you, what's wrong with you. So no. to me, when I work with these companies, I'm not going to name the company, obviously. But when I work with these companies, it was an eye opener for me to understand doctors, nurses, they're human. They're also human like us. We have to bring them down that pedestal and understand that they're also not sure what's wrong with you until they do a trial and error. So it's scary.
1: Well, like 75% of the time, they don't know what's going on. Uh, You know, with now with technology nowadays, they can figure out uh, more, I, I believe, you know, like, I guess that's what, that's what the whole technology helping human is. But, um, they, they still get it wrong you know like you said they're still human so one of my biggest fears when you went to surgery and i didn't see you for what i it was they told me it was going to be 45 minutes that took like two hours and uh they were like oh well you know she's still in surgery she's still in surgery i was like oh. they killed her they can't they don't want to tell me <laughs> you know like like they left an instrument, and they have to go back and take it out. Like all this stuff is running in right. my head, and um, yeah, I was scared. At the same time, I was like, "I want to talk to the manager."
0: <laughs>
1: Thank <laughs> you so <too>
0: much. <laughs> any, yeah, any, any yeah procedure, surgical procedure is scary. Honestly, yeah. It is. Well, it is. So we're going to get into our topic today. So Dr. Death, right? So we're going to be talking about Christopher Daniel Dunge. I may be saying that uh, last name wrong, is a little bit hard to pronounce, honestly, but he's a former American neurosurgeon who has been nicknamed Dr. Death for gross malpractice resulting in the meaning of several patient spines. And two deaths while working in hospitals in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. So we're, you know, we've been in Texas in the last 10 years or so. So Dallas-Fort Worth wasn't very far from where we lived. And it's very, um, I don't know, it's so... I can't even really find the word to explain how I felt when I first saw this. I actually saw this series, like I said, on Peacock, right? And it talks about this doctor who was accused of injuring, I mean, most of his patients that he worked on. We're talking about 33 out of 38 patients in less than two years since he was licensed. Um, Obviously, his license was revoked by the Texas Medical Board in 2017, And he was convicted of maiming one of his patients and sentenced to life imprisonment. Mm. So basically, this dude was allowed to practice surgical procedures in the spine, which is like probably one of the humans most, I would say.
1: um, Vulnerable, right?
0: Yeah, bro, bro. Like you you hit yourself in certain positions and you're like done for life, right? So I feel like your spine is one of those positions. You hit yourself hard enough. You can never walk again. You can never move again. You may be in a vegetative state where you can't move. You can't talk anything. You're basically in a coma. So it is, it's just unbelievable that it took 33 out of three patients for someone to be like, hmm, this dude doesn't know what he's doing.
1: Uh, it's funny because they get away with a lot of things doctors get away with a lot of things unless they have hundreds and hundreds of complaints about you know them
0: exactly so let's a little bit more about christopher here so he was born in montana spent most of his youth in memphis tennessee his father Donald was a physical therapist and Christian miz- missionary, and his mother Susan was a school teacher. And he graduated from an uh, evangelical Christian school in Cordova, in Memphis. So he's from Tennessee. Yep. Um, and then, mm-hmm, and then from there, he attended Millsaps College to play Division Three college football, and later transferred to Division One Colorado State University. Now. Apparently, some of his teammates said that he trained hard. He lacked talent at the game. So he wasn't even good at football. Um, He later returned home to attend Memphis State University, now the University of Memphis. So he basically, like, skipped around universities, right?
1: I'm pretty sure he didn't know what he wanted to do in his life. When it came to a career, he probably wanted to do, you know, he wanted to be a football player. But you know how some uh, athletic people, they're like, hey, you need a backup plan just in case. His was probably like, hey, I'm gonna be a doctor. <laughs> I'm gonna make money one of these, you know, one way. I want going to be a, a football player
0: or I'm gonna be a doctor. Which I can understand. When I was in my, what, second year of college, right before, I think, it, yeah, I think right before my second year of college, I went into my counselor's office and I said, hey, I don't wanna do criminal justice anymore. I- business administration. Why? I don't know. Honestly, I don't, I can't even remember why I wanted to switch over, but my counselor sat down with me and said, you're so far out into this specific, um, course. You should probably Mm -hmm. just, what's making you think, you know, or what's making you want to change your, I don't degree, Right. Yeah. And I literally didn't have an answer for him, except for the fact that I grew bored with criminal justice. (laughs) <laughs> and you know
1: what? I'm gonna be honest with you. I think you would have done a lot better if you went to get your uh, business degree. Right now, in in this in the time that we're in, you have a lot of businesses. <laughs> you do not That's have. A, you know, you 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 don't have like an actual. I'm sure you can get it an actual like paper that says you have a, a you know business career but you have done so much in your life that has business qualities in there uh, you know or how do you say like a lot of training for business and exactly. yeah and you're really good at it and unfortunately for this dude i don't know, he just got bored and he was like you know what let me work with people's brains
0: yeah I mean I don't know maybe he just felt like it was going to be more money I was gonna extend my you know my time there and it was going to cost me more money um but yes you're right ultimately at the end um I could say that almost 10 years later I have done very little with criminal justice and a lot of my focus has been in business you know having my small business having this podcast and then dwelling into other sectors having to do with business and maybe I wasn't. Really, um, I don't know. Uh, enjoyed or maybe had more of uh, understanding of how to run these things if I would have switched. But who knows, right? Anyway, so yeah. this right off I would do this. So Christopher, right? He went ahead and switched over to different universities. Then, having exhausted his football eligibility. He then decided to switch to a career in medicine. He completed his undergraduate degree in 1995, then continued on to his MD, PhD program. And then in 2010, he completed his neurosurgery residency programs at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. Um, and he completed a spine fellowship program at Seams Murphy Clinic in Memphis. So basically at this point, he was told, yeah, you have completed your certifications or residencies, right? You can go ahead and move on and start practicing medicine. Now, one thing I found very already red flaggish was the fact that he had participated in fewer than a hundred surgeries when typically it's said that neurosurgery residents participate in over 1,000 surgeries before they're able, you know, to start performing on human beings. So already there, it's like he didn't have very much experience.
1: So when it comes to this uh, doubt and, you know, surgeries that you have to be involved with, like, do you have to physically be involved in them or just like kind of watching them? Because you have to be trained by another doctor, right?
0: Well, I would say residency is that you are being supervised the work that you're doing. He didn't even do that. Oh,
1: okay. He didn't even do that. That's crazy. But
0: how are they going to allow that
1: to happen? I mean, you know. Uh <laughs> I mean,
0: we're going to find out, guys, how did, did they allow it to happen, you know? So he was suspected of being under the influence of cocaine while operating during his fourth year residency training and was sent to a program for impaired physicians. He remained there for several months before being allowed to return to the residency. And then several of his friends called him Uh, or recalled him going to work after an ad of doing drugs, but one of them saying he would never allow him to operate on him. So they knew.
1: So I think, honestly, when it comes to this stuff, like if your friend knows you are doing something wrong, you don't report your friend, I think you should be an accomplice at that point. Right. You know, Like like, because you're just messing up people left and right, and you know, your friend's like, I just won't let him do it up to me. That's...
0: Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, some kind of responsibility has to fall on somebody else that allowed him to move forward even after yeah. the decisions, or it was facts that he was doing cocaine. Um. Okay, so... Initially, Dunst, or Christopher, focused heavily on the PhD half of his degree, and his name appeared on several papers and patents, and he took part in a number of biotech startups. However, by the time he met Young, uh, Dutch was over $500,000 in debt. Um, So it seems like he took up a... Job in Texas, right in Dallas, when he was already in trouble financially. Basically, is what this is saying, right? So, he, uh, you know, applied for the job. He looked extremely qualified on paper. Which, come on, now, anyone can be qualified on paper, right? I've lied on yeah. my resume.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've managed the store. Them. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but
0: I've but never lied in a sense. Like, I was a neurosurgeon and I knew what I was <laughs> doing. I would say, yeah, I used to manage a school of two or three, you know? Like, that's not the same.
1: I would have reported you on myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Don't give her the job.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Come on. So he had a total 15 years in training. That's what he was saying on paper. Uh, Medical school residency and fellowship and his curriculum was 12 single space pages. Basically, he just had a really good resume, right? Um, And basically, he joined Baylor Regional Medical Center at Plano. So now it's called Baylor, Scott and White Medical Center, Plano. As a spine surgeon with a salary of six hundred thousand dollars per year plus bonuses. So you and I are familiar with Baylor Scott and White because, like I said, we we lived in Texas, and so Baylor Scott and White is a big hospital network all over the state. It's probably the best one. Anytime we, that's what through. I was
1: going to say.
0: Yeah, any kind of procedures, any kind. We should go through them, except for my surgery. I think I went through a different. Hospital. I think it went through Apple. Regardless Athens. though, regardless. They have like one of the
1: best insurance, I believe,
0: mm-hmm. uh, in the
1: state of Texas. Um, it's known all over the state of Texas. And it's like the reputation is, you know, it's really good. Like, you, would, you wouldn't expect them to have a doctor like that. But I am almost 100% sure that this is probably one of those reasons why they, they became this good. Because they're like, all right, from now on, we got to check
0: everything. Exactly. Yeah. So they say that early in his tenure, so when he started at Baylor Queen, Christopher made a poor impression on his fellow surgeons. So he was already making a bad impression. Uh, veteran vascular surgeon Randall Kirby recalled that Christopher frequently boasted about his abilities despite being so new to the area. And Kirby also recalled that he his skills in the operating room left much to be desired. He would he could not wield a scalper. So I mean, I guess that means like he just wasn't good with the instruments, even that they were using in surgery. So he was full
1: of so. So he was a tattoo artist who just grabbed a tattoo machine and said, "I'm a tattoo artist." Mm-hmm. He was a scratcher, is what we call them. Scratches.
0: <laughs> so you. Can, <laughs> yeah, you're familiar. People can talk all they want and boost themselves up. But when it comes to the actual work, you're going to see whether or not they're all talk or they're actually talent. Right? But I wonder, like, I wonder if
1: your, your peers, so, you know, in that point, in that position, can be like, hey, maybe we should bring this up to higher up and be like, you know, maybe we should have a second opinion on this guy. Because mm-hmm. if we can't even grab a scaffold, I mean, daddy can grab a scaffold. She knows how to use it. And, you know, but I'm not saying that's a bad thing. She's, she's, she's good. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think she went to medical you know? Right. Uh, but regardless, I mean, if you can't do that, uh, and a piercer can, uh, that's, that's,
0: that's, that's, that's a red like- flag all the way. Right. And for our listeners, Danny's actually one of our favorite piercers located in Colleen, part of the Cats Tattoo Crew. So we'll make sure to, you know, link her in there because she's really good. And she does also, like Color side. she does um, scar- scarification. Is that right?
1: Yes, yeah, scarification, body, body mods and stuff. She's a very smart person. And um, honestly, she can use a scaffold. And I'm 100% sure she does not have a medical degree. Uh, This just should have been a red flag since the beginning.
0: Since the beginning, exactly. So we're going to talk about, we're going to move on into some of the patients that he treated and are considered that resulted in severe maimed patients. Because there's so many, like there's over 30. We're going to just kind of go around a few. The first one starting with this patient, Kenneth Fennel. So this was the first patient that Christopher operated on at Baylor Plano was left with chronic pain after operated on um, the wrong part of his back. So Mm -hmm. due to debilitating pain, Fennel later had a second operation by Christopher to relieve it and was left significantly paralyzed in his legs. It required months of rehabilitation to be able to walk it with a cane and was left unable to walk for more than 30 feet or stand more than a few minutes without having to sit down.
1: All right. All right. So did this person not put a complaint? Did did this person never like call the hospital and said, hey, man, um, I mean, you know, when when you go in in these, these surgeries, you they did they do tell you hey you may die in surgery you know
0: they're going to use that they're going to say do you need to risk i feel like they're going to yeah, say
1: that i'm sure that's finally what it was you need to exactly. risk you sign documents blah 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 you know that's why they have so much like legal um help you know they have probably one of some of the best lawyers out there so exactly that's crazy so-
0: Exactly. The second patient, next. they're no, they're not in any kind of order. I'm just kind of skipping through the list because there's so many, unfortunately. This one's going to be Barry Morgoloff, the owner of a pool service company, was left with bone fragments in his spinal canal after Christopher tried to pull a damaged disc out of his back with a grabbing tool. Christopher initially refused to give Morgoloff any pain medicine, claiming he was a drug seeker. Um the patient, right, Morgulov eventually lost most of the function on his left side and required a wheelchair. And apparently um, Kirby, which was the physician that we spoke about earlier, assisted with the surgery and recalled that Christopher continued making mistakes even after having the correct anatomy pointed out to him. Morgulov later stated he, that he walked out on a follow-up visit when uh christopher displayed clear signs of being inebriated so basically people talked to christopher right and it was like hey man like i'm in pain um i need help and then he walked out of that session or that appointment because clearly christopher was under the influence of something right
1: Mm -hmm. i don't know what to say that's crazy
0: now this one I remember hearing about in the documentary, and this was the one that left my mouth wide open. This is Jerry Summers, who was a longtime friend of him. Mm. Okay, he came to Plano to have two neck vertebrae fused. During the operation, after Christopher botched the removal of the disc of the disc, Summers was rendered a uh, quadriplegic. Yeah. Um, So Christopher performed a second surgery and packed the space of a large amount of gel foam, constricting the spinal cord. The anesthesiologist who worked on the surgery recalled that Summers lost about 1,200 millimeters of blood, more than a fifth of his blood volume, and almost 24 times the typical amount of blood loss fusion, The nurses and other staffers who took part in the surgery fully expected Summers to have revision surgery, but Christopher refused to do it. Summers later stated that he and Christopher had used cocaine the night before his surgery, despite his passing a drugs test. Baylor plane officials were concerned enough to force Christopher to on leave pending a peer review. While Christopher was cleared to resume operating while the review was underway hospital officials asked him to limit himself to minor surgeries and it was complete summers right his friend subsequently admitted to cocaine claim was untrue and said he was upset that christopher refused to check on him and basically his friend who was you know basically someone that he knew for a long time he remained a quadriplegic for the rest of his life and he died in 2021 of an infection related to complications from that operation, he killed his own friend. Like, you know? Well, and so- the,
1: the, the crazy part about it is that he knows he's not capable of doing something. And he's like, hey, uh, I can do it. You're my friend. I could probably do it for low, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up killing him. So he obviously has signs of of you know just a uh a killer
0: right you know Some-
1: because he know he knew the he knew the the risk exactly So he still took it
0: so then, so Baylor, Scott, and White and Plano, officials found that Christopher failed to meet their standards of care and permanently revoked his surgical privileges. He couldn't perform surgeries anymore. The hospital initiated another peer review, but Christopher resigned rather than face termination. To avoid the cost of fighting and possibly losing a wrongful termination suit, officials reached a deal with Christopher lawyers in which he was allowed to resign and return for Baylor Plano issuing a letter stating that there were no issues with him. And he was, uh, had he had been fired, they would have to uh, reported him to the National Practitioner Data Bank, which is intended to flag problematic physicians. They still failed. They still failed the public. So in order for them not to make a fuzz right about it, they rather that he Quit, so they didn't have to file this whole craziness, right, with the National Practitioner Data Bank. So they still filled the population. He allowed him to quit, so he can go find a job somewhere else, which he tried to do. Wow. Yeah. So that <laughs> I'm yeah. beyond words right now. <laughs> I, I was, I I was like, wow. This whole time, I swear that I had Baylor Scott and White like oh my god it's one of the best hospitals you know in the texas at least right but now i'm like wow they're not they're not shit either (laughs) like nobody none of these (laughs) hospitals that's the true how could you do that to the population so Texas. so um, instead of saying
1: hey we have a crazy fucking doctor and we apologize and we are probably going to have to give you guys a, you know, some money for all the shit that he has caused. They were like, you know what? Just put this in the hush hush. And that's why, that's why I said they have really good fucking lawyers. They have yeah. really good lawyers because of the lawyers were like, all right, so we're not going to make a fuss, but we're going to allow you to, we're just going to give you like, literally like a recommendation to go somewhere else.
0: Right. So what he ended up doing, right, Christopher Dunce, um, he moved to Dallas Medical Center and Farmers Branch, where he was granted temporary privilege privileges until hospital officials could obtain his records from Baylor Plano. Mm-hmm. However, red flags surfaced early on as nurses wondered if Dunce was under the influence of drugs while on duty. For instance, he came to work wearing the same tattered scrubs for three days in a row. He lasted for less than a week before administrators pulled his privileges after the death of a patient, Floella Brown, and the maiming of another, Mary Efford. Hello, What are we gonna hell? Sorry, what are we gonna hold Baylor Plano responsible for the death and the maiming of these other two patients in Dallas Medical Center now? Right? So basically what he did to Fluella Brown severed uh vertebral arteries and refused to abort despite massive blood loss. He then packed in Too much of a substance intended to stop the bleeding. She suffered a stroke as a result. Oh God. Christopher did not respond to messages from the hospital for a few hours, then the next day scheduled an elective surgery on Efford, which was a second patient, rather than care for Brown, the first one that he just like literally is on, you know, had a stroke. Uh, hospital officials were ex- ex- exacerbated when Christopher refused to delay effort surgery and asked him multiple times to care for Brown or transfer her out of his care. Christopher suggested drilling a hole in Brown's head to relieve the pressure. But was not only was he not qualified for and held no privileges to perform brain surgery, but Dallas Medical did not have the proper equipment or personnel for such an operation. Brown was left in a coma, coma for hours before Christopher finally acquisited to her transfer. By this time, however, she was brain dead. Tell me Dana. Tell me, that's not insane. I was so like upset during this documentary, and even more reading it again. It's it's upsetting. They could have stopped him. They could have stopped him. Baylor asked
1: another Plano. another doctor.
0: Exactly, Baylor. Exactly that too. But Baylor Plano could have stopped him before he moved on to another another hospital, right? So uh, mm-hmm. now we have. Uh, Let's see. So longtime spine surgeon Robert Henderson performed a salvage surgery on Efford, which is a second patient. When Henderson saw the imaging from Christopher's surgery, he was certain that he would be in legal action and had the salvage surgery recorded. So he knew whoever performed the first surgery did it wrong, right? That's basically what he's saying. And he said Henderson later recalled wondering if Dunn's Christopher was an imposter. He cannot believe that a real surgeon could or would botch effort surgery so badly. He felt that anyone with basic knowledge of human anatomy would know that he was operating in the wrong area of effort's back. So basic. He's like, this is basic stuff for, for you know, a surgeon. So then, despite both of his surgeries at Dallas Medical Center, going definitely Terrible, right? Hospital officials did not report him to the NBPV, uh, MPDB. So basically the association that Baylor plans did not report him to. At the time, hospitals were not required to report doctors who only had temporary privileges. Do you but, want to but I, mean,
1: but I mean like he killed people?
0: Uh, hello. Okay, so that's not even the end. Okay. Oh, gosh. After leaving Dallas Medical Center, Christopher Dunst received privileges at Southampton Community Hospital in Dallas and also took a job at an outpatient clinic named Legacy Surgery Center, now Frisco Ambulatory Surgery Center in Frisco. While there, he damaged patient Jeff Chesney's spinal cord, leaving him without feeling on the right side of his body. He damaged patient Philip Mayfield's spinal cord, drilling into it and leaving him partially paralyzed from the neck down. After undergoing physical rehab, Mayfield was able to walk with a cane but continued to experience paralysis on the right side of his body and his left arm. He also reported shooting pains throughout his body. And Mayfield died of COVID nineteen in February twenty twenty one. According to his wife, he had been vulnerable to the virus due to complications caused by Christopher Dunn's botched surgeries.
1: So I'm sure they they already probably like set over a lawsuit with this, you know, with this um, hospitals because they wouldn't just you know release all this information if it was just still going on, unless they haven't done that yet.
0: You know, it is insane. So basically he got some kind of luck because despite what, what all of, you know, the problems he was causing already, all this like medical irresponsibility, uh, he was retained by Southampton because, uh, or like this new hospital because new owners bought it and renamed it University General Hospital. So, between all those changes, like, oh, like, we forgot all this craziness he did because we renamed the hospital. You know what I mean? Like, so when he applied for privileges at this hospital in Dallas, the hospital where he's in, to so the MPDB, which is the association um, and then soon afterward he severely maimed Jeff Glidewell after mistaking part of his neck muscle for a tumor during a routine cervical fusion, severing one of his vocal cords, cutting a hole in his esophagus and slicing an artery
1: alright that's just one that's just like hey let me see if I can just cut this person's head off
0: yeah, so yeah, I, I don't know. So <laughs> the effects of Christopher Dunch's operation years later and has undergone more than 50 procedures to correct the damage. At one point, he was mm. only with small bites of food at one time. He proved to be Dunch's last surgery. University General pushed him out soon afterwards. So now, Kirby, which was that first surgeon that was like, hey, this dude, no good, right? He wrote a complaint yeah. medical board following down a social path who was clear and present dangerous to citizens citizens of Texas. Under heavy lobbying from Kirby and Henderson, the Texas Medical Board suspended Dunge's license um on June 26, 2013. The lead investigator on the case later revealed that he wanted Dunce's license suspended while the 10-month probe was underway, but board of th- attorneys were not willing to go along. Are you freaking kidding me? Why? Exactly. So Why? board Irwin Spiedler later said that complications in neurosurgery were common and most laymen believe and uh, took until June 2013 to find the pattern of patient in- injury. Required to justify suspending Christopher Dent's license. He added that many board members found it hard to believe that a trained surgeon could be as incompetent as he appeared to be.
1: Okay. Um I'm never going to Dallas again. So I'm,
0: I'm never I can't trust uh baby <laughs> I, I can't show
1: them gotten white in you. I don't care how good their insurance is. I'll be like, I'm gonna go to a local doctor.
0: Exactly. Oh is- my god. So um he basically then after all this, he moved to Denver, Colorado, went into a downward spiral, declared bankruptcy after listing debts of one million. He was arrested for DUI in Denver, taking for psychiatric evaluation in Dallas or one of his business to children. And he was arrested in Dallas for shoplifting. So that's...
1: <laughs> like he went, I mean, he hit rock bottom. And yeah. he's, he's what, he is where he needs to be. Um, I saw, I think it was like life to 25 years, I think I, it was to his sentence. Um,
0: uh 2015, July, approximately a year after his license was revoked, he was arrested in Dallas, charged with six felony counts of aggravated assault. With a deadly weapon, five counts of aggravated assault, causing serious bodily injury and one count of injury to an elderly person. And the indictments were made four months before the statute of limitations were to run out. So um, I don't know how long, let's see. um civil cases so yeah, the hospitals that employed him do have ongoing civil cases so they were sued as well and he is housed at the ob ellis unit outside huntsville i'm guessing that's in texas he's not eligible for he parole. In 2045 when he's 74 years old so he is imprisoned um there are lawsuits so one of the things that i read on here that again doesn't surprise me but again is like what in March of 2014, three former patients of him—Mary Efford, Kenneth Fennell, and Lee Passmore—filed separate federal lawsuits against Baylor, Bay, uh, Baylor Plano, alleging the hospital allowed him to perform surgeries despite knowing he was a dangerous physician. Which I agree, they knew. You
1: know? Yeah, and they knew even because like one of their their like you know their other doctors was like, "Hey, I uh, knowing that he did his own, you know, like." He knows what he's doing. He told exactly. the, like the people, like, "Hey, he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe we should check him out." Yeah, right. I mean, even one of your own people say he's crazy. He's yeah. not, you know.
0: At this point, uh, Texas Attorney General and current Governor Greg Abbott filed the motion to intervene in the suits to defend Baylor Plano, citing the Texas Legislature 2003. 2003- that placed a medical yeah of two hundred fifty thousand and remove the term gross negligence from the definition of legal malice the suite uh, the suit alleged that baylor plano made an average debt profit of sixty five thousand on every spinal surgery performed by christopher so basically they're saying like oh it just didn't meet the cap of it or something again i was like you know i am be honest and It's gonna be controversial, what I'm about to say, but if there's anything that Greg Abbott can do backwards, he will definitely do it backwards. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I simply fell in love with Texas because most people are pretty generous, are pretty nice. The place, the area, the weather's nice, but the government in Texas is awful. It is awful. Right now, like, you know, I'm thinking of going back and all that, and I'm just, like, concerned because what is up with Greg Abbott? Like, this hatred, this, like, nonchalant concern for its citizens of Texas in all aspects, whether it's a shooting, whether it's this medical lawsuit, whether it's, like, oh, my God, he just has no concern, I feel like, for his own people. It doesn't make sense. sense.
1: Yeah, the fact that he's... The fact that he's he's just, you know, I have no words.
0: I I definitely have not not But that is the fact, right? I'm okay.
1: Hold a, on. or like
0: you know, hold there's on. There's no reason.
1: On. Hold on, because uh you're gonna have to repeat all of that right now. You just went all crazy on me. You were like bleep, 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 bleep. Ble. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, nothing that we we're talking about. It's just the fact that like I don't understand why Abbott uh would try to intervene so that Baylor Plano doesn't get what they deserve for allowing him to conduct these surgeries. Get out the way, man. He he was at fault. Like he caused serious damage to these people. Get out the way.
1: Yeah, Um, either way, I mean, you know, regardless of the whole uh, governor, I believe that, the, the you know, the hospital should be responsible. When one of your own employees is telling you there's something wrong, and I'm sure it could be like a senior employee, you should listen to that employee because he's been there. He or she has been there and done that before, and they feel like, hey, maybe their practice is a little bit different. But we all know where all the bones are at and we all know how surgeries are supposed to be done. Um and, you know, you just just care. Right. You should not don't don't care about your your how do you say, like how bad it's gonna look. Care about the people that you're having surgery. The people that are having surgeries in your hospital and they're they're trusting you with their bodies, literally. Right, really pressing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if anything at all, like I said, as a former, um, I don't know if you want to say service agent of some sort, but as a former person who worked with a company who dealt with a lot of doctors and dentists, question them, okay? Like if there's anything you learn from this episode to our audience, you're going for surgery, you're going for any kind of procedure, you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel, I don't know, um, like they're answering your questions, question them. And if you're not getting that answer from them, you still don't feel comfortable, find somebody else. Because let me remind you, doctors, dentists, nurses, nurse practitioners, they're just like us. They're humans. They will make mistakes. So don't think that because maybe they hold a degree of some kind that they already know all the answers. Trust me, I've learned, Mm -hmm. like I said, through that work, through that job, through my personal experiences, you need to question them. And if you're not comfortable, move on to the next person, that you feel comfortable. Dentist, uh, ophthalmologist, any kind of doctor.
1: I've left the doctor before because he had his own, uh, his own view of political. He has a, you know, his political views, and he he told me about him, and I was like, look. All I need is a doctor's note, and I need to go back to work. (laughs) You know, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm never coming back."
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like, no, there's no need for all that. But honestly, if you, already, our audience would like to know more about this doctor death, um, like I said, there is podcast, there is a streaming, um what is it like, I think it's a documentary series, short documentary series on Peacock. There's a few other shows that came out after apparently that I haven't seen yet, but definitely check it out. I mean, and like I said, just don't think that because they hold a degree of some kind that they're not humans like us.
1: Yeah, that's
0: true. (laughs) Any last minute thoughts, comments, colors?
1: No, but I think our next episode is going to be about another doctor. Um, But uh, other than that, I mean, it's just horrible. It's
0: concerning. Huh? It's concerning, for sure.
1: It's concerning, yeah, because you never know. Like I said, when when you went to surgery, uh, everything was going in my head. You know, I was like, man, they don't want to give her back to me. They told me 45 minutes it has been two hours what are you guys doing to my wife, you know? And then they're like, oh, she's a, what you lie to me?
0: <laughs> it's yeah. scary. I mean, like the whole process is already scary. And then to believe, to think that whoever's c- doing these um surgeries isn't qualified or is under cocaine, like this dude, like, come on, like, geez.
1: Yeah, I think, I think honestly, if you're, if someone believes one of the doctors, nurses or whatever, is under the influence, question them right away. Honestly, question them and make them do a drug test. Even if everybody in the whole damn place has to take a drug test, you know, um, just for that day, just surprise them with the drug test. I don't care. Make sure that you're doing the right thing for your patients because that's the one, that's what pays your bills. And two, um, you know, it's your reputation
0: right
1: you know just to be kind
0: (laughs) we always enjoy you know having these kinds of discussions and obviously having new topics every week and we want to know what you all want to listen to so just remember to drop in the comments follow us like us youtube um Um, apple podcast spotify Castbox. we're basically in a lot everywhere because we want to make sure that anyone who wants to listen to us is able to And uh, we're going to probably keep doing that here and out. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, take care and enjoy the rest of your day.
1: And have a good night. Bye.